I want to um, talk to you this morning about the most important thing in life. Um, I think that um, uh, I was talking on, on Friday and um, making it plain to people that our God came to make us whole. The Jewish people used to say shalom, which meant wholeness. Uh, and wholeness is what God intended. A person is a whole person. If you're sick in your body, you've got problems. If you're sick in your mind, you've got problems. If you're sick in your spirit, you've got problems. Jesus Christ came to redeem me, body, soul, and spirit. And I'm not divided up, uh, nor is God. Uh, you know, there's people that think you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and not have a relationship with Jesus. Well, that's nonsense. Or, or somehow, uh, you know, God can be divided up. He cannot. There are three persons in one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they're one. And they're indivisible. Understand it. Totally indivisible. Jesus said, he that has seen the, me has seen the Father. Why do you say, show me the Father? Indivisible. And when you come to humanity and you start dividing up, oh, well, it's important to get saved. No! It's important to be made whole. Wholeness. And the gospel is a gospel of wholeness. And it's not a gospel of well, you know, this bit of you and that bit of you and, you know, you can get some part of your life changed and not another part of your life changed. It's arrant nonsense. And so I want to spend some time looking. The Bible is a touchstone of truth. Not your doctrine, not your ideas, not your philosophy, and certainly not your Western thinking or your Eastern thinking. Jesus Christ is the answer to everything. Man's ways aren't God's ways. Man's thoughts are not God's thoughts. Uh, and we were singing about redemption. See what God can do for you. And God comes to make us whole. Body, soul, spirit. Whole. And he never ever thought of a person uh, as being spiritually blessed or physically blessed, he thought of a person being made whole. And my God is a God of wholeness. Redemption is redemption. Redeeming the purchased possession. Now, the purchased possession is you. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, was shed to purchase you. He suffered in his body for you. He rose again for you. And it's a whole person. Uh, and when you start um, having uh, the Greek thought, you know, Aristotle and Plato, and you start putting it into Christianity, and they start dividing people up. Hey, when people meet you, they don't meet your spirit, they meet you. 
You don't see my spirit, you see me. And I'm a whole person. You see, when you come to start talking to people truth, what really upsets them is because they've never really become whole people, they get angry. They have to defend the indefensible because their emotional being is so out of kilter. You know, your mind locks onto things. Your imagination locks on. Your thinking locks on. And your emotions follow your thinking. Now, the danger is when your emotions are out of control and your rationale is governed by your emotions instead of your emotions being governed. A whole person, uh, and you'll find in Scripture, emotion isn't even mentioned. And, and the Judaic idea of emotionalism was abhorrent. It was for someone who was uncultured, someone who lost the ability to think. Now, when someone gets angry, why do they get angry? When someone loses control, what, what, what's, what's eating? You know, your emotions are governing you instead, and you're not a whole person at all. Jesus Christ, when he came to earth and he came to minister, the one thing he didn't do was get everyone emotional. If there was a reason to be emotional, it was when miracles happened. But what he didn't do was get, you know, Peter, have you got a guitar? We want the presence of God. The presence of God does not come through emotion. The presence of God is truth. Is that plain? Truth. Not some emotional feeling. You know, each one of you, God has given you the potential for virtually unlimited learning and creativity. That's what God's given you. There's no such thing as a stupid person. There's only a person who hasn't learned to use his brain. And there's a key to everyone's brain. Unlearning. And you have within you unlimited creativity, limited only by the people who educated you, who started getting you to think in tram lines. When they kind of come along and they trammel your thinking and tell you, well, this is the absolute truth. No, 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 no. Because they keep changing it. 95% of what we <laughs> have known about the capability of the brain has only been discovered in the last 20 years. Do you know, people are finally waking up to say, hey, intelligence and brain and ability are totally misrepresented in education. They want equality. Everyone's got to be equal. The moment you have freedom, you have no equality at all. And the moment you have slavery, you have equality without freedom. And I believe in freedom, don't you? And I hate 
the idea that everyone's equal because they're not. And God makes that plain. Because there's no two people in this creation who are identical. Identical twins still have different fingerprints. Identical twins still have uh, differences in their whole makeup. They really do. And, and God has made us all individuals. Thank God he has. And thank God we're just individuals. But we have a capacity within us which is so tremendous that it needs releasing. And Christianity and coming to the reality of Jesus Christ releases within a person the tremendous creativity and power that's inside. And if that doesn't happen, what you've got is slavery. And you can be a slave of your religion. And, you know, when you're a slave, you fight for your slavery. When you're a slave to sin, you fight for sin. When you're a slave to your denomination, you fight for the abomination. When you're a slave to anything, well, I always was taught this. I'm always going to believe it. Well, you want to look at the Bible and you want to look at God and you want to say, well, is it true? Is this what Jesus taught? Is this the way Jesus did it? Am I a whole person or not? The concept of intelligence is based on the traditional IQ test. You know, they start testing people, see what you know. And it's got two flaws. One, that intelligence is fixed at birth and it's immutable. So someone at birth, they, they, they kind of are categorized. And the second flaw, that verbal and mathematical reasoning is what constitutes intelligence. I, I well remember uh, looking in the school and there was one girl who was verbose. In fact, any time you got near her, she would start talking. She used words she didn't comprehend because her parents treated her as a young adult. The most absurd thing you want to do is treat a child as a young adult. They're not a young adult, they're a child. And a child is a child. Don't try and make them speak, you know, intelligently. Now, my son, when he grew up, he had a, a habit. Um, you know, when he was going to junior school, or infant school, rather, before we had our own school, had a habit of stealing my newspaper. He'd only steal the um, sports section, and he'd read it. And one day my wife went to, to the school and, and the teacher said, how come your son can write about cricket and spell all the Indian cricketers' names correctly? Um, because he used to go and read the sports section. Uh, um, 
I was amazed. You know, one day I asked him something about a goalkeeper, and he knew exactly which teams the goalkeeper had been in, where he'd developed. And I thought, where did he get that knowledge? He got it from the back of my newspaper. Uh, he just read it, and he, he grasped all kinds of useless facts. Uh, you know, it's not normal for a six-year-old to grab the Times and read the back page. Now, it didn't make him intelligent. It gave him knowledge. And the brain can pick up in one second seven different concepts. And if you did that for your whole life, you wouldn't have used half your brain. That's the amazing thing. That's why when you look round, you can see a crowd and your brain can digest the fact that there's a big crowd there and you can pick out individuals. And it's amazing the capacity of the brain. But our education system has trammeled us and stopped us from being whole people. And, and the fact is society, and when we get into religion, we get our brains squeezed into a little mold when Christ came to release us from it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had their religious little code, and it's ama amazing how many people, they have a code that compresses their brain, and they can't think outside of their little field. One thing I like is... Um, there's a program that came on television that fascinates me. Uh, it's called A Doctor Called House. How many people have seen it? Um, now, you know, what fascinates me is he's totally unconventional and he never thinks along tram lines. I, I went and got, you know, the, the DVDs for it. And I enjoy watching it because he's just so outrageously unorthodox. And I think there's a man I could you know, appreciate. The, the, the person who's orthodox is sickening because my brain came alive when I came to Christ and I started thinking different and I found a freedom and I've kept my freedom. People have tried to get me locked in, you know, you know, you do the, 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 uh, uh, you know, well, when you become a Christian, you've got to uh, read your Bible two hours a day. You've got to pray two hours a day in tongues. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Then you've got to every night tell God how sorry you are for everything you've done wrong. Uh, that's religion. And then you mustn't uh, do this. You mustn't do that. You can't watch football on Sunday even if it's a premiership. Uh, the theory of multiple intelligences is widely accepted today. There is a left and a right-hand side of your brain, and, and you know people have had an injury. They find they can develop parts of their brain in a way that has not ever been understood before, but you, you've got multiple intelligences. You can develop your intelligence throughout your life. And what is um, important is you understand. You know, what's exciting is 
Till the day you die, you can develop your intelligence. You can develop your mind. It's not something that when you get old, it dies. It doesn't. Your brain is more able to absorb things the older you get, and you can develop your mind the older you get. And it's important to understand the whole mind because when you're a whole person, what happens with age is people give up thinking. They give up studying. They give up. Now, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ came to make me whole, and he intended me to live. And in old age, I shouldn't be giving up. I should be doing more. Why? Because I have an ability and an understanding. But not only should I be doing more, there's a difference between the man who gives up his life and at old age he ends up... I'll tell you why he ends up like that. Because he doesn't understand that intelligence isn't just your brain, it's your whole body. Your whole being. And people are beginning to wake up to the fact of holistic wholeness. And Jesus Christ came to make us whole. Your brain is not your intelligence. Your whole being is. That's why it's so important to look after yourself. Body, soul, and spirit you might be. But if you don't realize and nurture your whole being, I'll tell you what will happen. It will affect you. It will affect your thinking. The number of people who give up... You know, I, I remember my dear friend T.L. saying to me one day that he, his knuckles began to get, and his fingers began to get look, strained. And the first thing he did, he went to his desk and he pressed them down, and he pressed them down, and he pressed them flat. He said, I'm not having arthritis, I'm redeemed. And he's had a stroke. And I'll tell you what T.L. found he was restricted. And he said, no, I'm redeemed. And now he's finding all his faculties are coming back and he's getting his mind working again because we have a tremendous capacity inside to be what God intends us to be, whole people. You don't surrender a part of your being and say, well, that's just me. No, you take hold of everything body, soul, and spirit, start saying, hey, God intended redemption for the whole of me. Doesn't come, I, I get old, then I sit down and do nothing. You know, I'm retired. Well, if you get retired, that means you get new tires on, you can go faster. <laughs> Got more time. Have tires, we'll travel. Uh, the idea, you know, I need to take it easy. No, I don't. People say to me, well, you shouldn't do so much. And every year I find I do more. And I think, I've got to... And then I start thinking, oh, I'm a whole person. Uh. Got to look after your body. Great. It functions well. Do you know, I, I'm 64. I, I'm happy. 
And I was thinking, when I'm 84, I want to be fit and well and thinking. Uh, you know, I can devise many things in one minute. I can think of a million things. There's so little you know, and there's so much capacity inside that you want to know more. And if you don't, you're dead already. You know, your brain is, and you can make a note of it, it's more flexible and multidimensional than any computer. You know, your brain can think in ways that no one else can think. At multidimensional. And you can learn seven facts a second, every second, for the rest of your life and still have plenty of room left to learn more. Now, seven facts a second. And yet, people, they, they sit down, oh, you know, oh, I can't, I can't. Yes, you can. The only reason you don't is because you've never used your brain. One of the reasons we're the number three school in the country is we teach our children from an early age to memorize and use their brain. Uh, why? In exam results, because we teach our children brain power. You can remember, you can know. It's so important to free children up and develop their ability to learn, to remember, and then to absorb. And then the creative side. One of the things that happened is my daughter, when she was 12 or 13, um, she suddenly succeeded in table tennis. Now, you, she, she wasn't confident, but when she succeeded in table tennis, it changed her whole life. Why? Because she was developing another part of her and suddenly it released the main part. Success breeds success in whatever area. There is tremendous capacity within everyone and Christians have sat down and haven't taken advantage of what God's given them. And it doesn't matter what age you are. You can make a difference. Because you're a whole person, if so be Christ has met you, you have the creator of the universe living within you. But you need to nurture. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God doesn't want the temple of the Holy Ghost falling to pieces. He intends us to be whole people. Body, soul, and spirit. Is that plain? Your brain will improve with age if you use it properly. It doesn't deteriorate, it improves. And don't ever go in for this, oh, yeah, I'm so old, I'm going cross-eyed. Uh, you know, what can I, uh, I'm retiring. Uh, give me One of the things I love is every time I visit T.L., he's 84. When I visit him, he's always got two or three books open. If you come into my house, you'll find, I, I know where the books are, um, but I, I, I'm reading two or three books at the same time. Say, so why do you read two or three books at the same time? Because I think 
in a lot of different ways at the same time. When you walk into my office, there's a desk which is total chaos. I know where everything is in the chaos. But if someone tidies it up, it's a curse. I can't find anything. You know, people say, well, you just... Why? Leave it alone. I like my mess. I know where it all is. I think this way and that way and uh, you know, uh, you know I, and I just, I find it intellectual chaos is development because you think outside of normal thinking. Uh, and that means you begin to use your whole brain. <laughs> we, 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 we narrow. We're caught. And we're caught in our coffins. And so many people with tremendous capacity are caught in a coffin. And someone needs to pull them out, whether it's their religious coffin. Oh, God told me I've got to do this. And they set their face to do it, and it's called selfish ambition. And the stupid thing is, they're going to miss God by a million miles. Because they don't understand. He's not like that at all. How do you get them to think? Of the six billion people currently living... And the more than 90 billion people who've ever lived, there has never, unless you, you have the identical twin, be anyone remotely like you. You are unique. Totally unique. When God made me, he threw the mold away. He said, goodness me, there's only going to ever be one Michael Reed. And he threw he said, that's it. Don't, don't ever have a second one. The world could only take one. And the world could only take one of you. And so God makes us all unique. There's nothing in us that's the same. Your creative gifts, your fingerprints, your expressions, your DNA, your dreams are unprecedented and unique. You're capable of making an unlimited number of connections and patterns in your thinking. <laughs> I, I, you know, what, what's happened in my life is people have always told me you can't. Now, Christ lives in me. Now, that doesn't mean I become uniform and I become, I will obey, I will obey, I will obey. I, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who, who God got hold of and... I built things because I'm unconventional. People said to me, you can't have a school. You won't be able to do A-levels. Why not? I'll do it. You can't do this. You can't do that. Hey, everyone tells you what you can't do. But I want to tell you, there's a God who says you can do anything. And I get fed up with this restrictive kind of religious stupidity. Why should we bow down to the lie? We have the capacity. We have the brain. Now, we're members of a body. And we need to realize that we can't do it on our own. 
You know, every member has a different function. But you have a tremendous capacity. And if any of us started working to our full capacity, and instead of selfish ambition, got hold of the fact of what God wanted to do in the earth, we could transform the whole world. I'll tell you what, we have God in us. And the reason someone came to me yesterday, I think it was yesterday, yes, said to me, how do you get out of your coffin? You know, you dig a hole. And, and as I said, most people, when they're in the grave, they dig deeper. And some people have dug so deep with their little self-centered stupidity that they're digging downwards and they can hardly see the light at the top. Uh, and this person came to me and asked, said, how can I get out of my grave? And I thought, well, here's the time to tell you. Because if you know how to get out of your grave and, and be the person God wants you to be, it's great, isn't it? How do you get out of a grave? When someone's giving you a shovel and all you can do is go down. It's called education. It's called ethic. It's called uh, experience. And you dig and, well, you know, I, I have... And you go down. And so I, I, I want to give you a, a way to get out. I promise on Friday I'll tell you how to get out. See, so many people are trapped. Jesus Christ came to lead the prisoner out of the prison house. And the prison is a coffin. <laughs> You're dead in trespasses and sins. Dead, dead, dead. And, and you go to churches and they give you a formula. Well, if you fast and you pray and you read your Bible and you do this and you do that and you do the other, then God will... Well, have you forgiven everyone? Forgive us our trespasses and we forgive them that trespass against us. You know, if you forgive everyone, then God will... Well, you know, have you confessed the sins of your grandfather and your grandmother and your Aunt Ethel? And I think, I haven't got an Aunt Ethel. Have you, have you done, 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 and I've done nothing? And I want to tell you something. The whole of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And all God wants is wholeness in people. Body, soul, and spirit. Stop making excuses and start believing. That's what God wants. He wants you to be whole. So when people see you, they find a person who's so out of character with everything else because you're whole. You're at peace. And I said how you can get out of your tomb. Okay? Now let's look at the tomb. tomb. Um, go with me to 2 Kings 5. You remember I, I, I looked at this. We're quickly going to flick through the graveyard and which one you're in. People are in graveyards. And when you're in a graveyard, it's terrible. Graveyard of your mind. 2 Kings 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, you remember, was captain of the Lord, 
the, of hosts, the king of Syria, a great man with his master, honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Here, here we've got a person who's done great exploits, but he's got one problem. He's a leper. And, and he had been used of God. And, and here's a problem that people think because you're used of God in a particular circumstance that somehow you're okay. But here's a man who delivered a whole country and is a leper. So just doing something for God doesn't make you right. Is that plain? Me, I meet people, you know, well, you know, I did this. Well, you might have done that, buster, but if you've got leprosy, it's going to kill you. Bits are going to drop off. And that's the way it is. You might be a mighty man of valor, but you've got a problem. And when you've got a problem, let's deal with a problem. Christ wants wholeness. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away angry. <laughs> and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. In other words, I've got a method by which you should... You're so egotistical, you think that you deserve the man of God to come and do something very special, and he doesn't. He ignores you. Verse 12, he went away in a rage, and his servants came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, verse 13, he said unto thee, Wash and be clean. And he went down and dipped seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God in his flesh came. You know, God asked us to do simple, natural things. I'm amazed how many people uh, want a special, special womb instead of just doing what's normal. Then in 2 Kings 20, verse 1 to 6 and 12 to 18, you remember Hezekiah, sick unto death, calls the prophet. Verse 3 he cries out, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I've walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And then he cried about it. There's none, none that can be righteous. All our righteousness is filthy rags in the sight of God, isn't it? But this guy felt, you know, I've done it. It's what I've done. And... You remember then from Babylon letters came and he showed them all his house. Verse 13, his precious things, silver, gold, spices, precious ointments, everything that he got. Left nothing in his house nor in all his dominion Hezekiah showed not to Babylon. And the prophet comes back before he's even got out. You know, he comes and he tells him, hey, just a minute, he said. Um... And the prophet comes and he said, Behold, the days come, verse 17, that all that is in thine house and that thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left. 
saith the Lord, and thy sons shall issue, that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? In other words, when I'm gone, tough on my sons, tough on the country, but hey, at least while I'm there, I'm going to look after it. How can you actually say it's good if you know your sons are going to be, well, have an amputation? I mean, how can it be good if you know they're going to be carried off into Babylon? But I'm amazed how many people are so selfish. All they care about is themselves. That's what puts you in a coffin. You know, you think you serve God, but you're only concerned with your own little picture, not the big picture. God's got more than you. I find so many people so self-centered, so fixated on themselves. Oh, God. Oh, God. Look, buster. You're part of the body. Grow up. And your vision isn't God's vision. It's yours. God's bigger than you. And you need to look up. Christ is the source of life, not you. And you remember the other story, 2 Kings 6, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God was risen early, and he got up early, and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city with horses and chariots. And his servants said unto him, Alas, master, how shall we do? Not very well, with all the enemy around. And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. You know, it's just having the right eyes to see. I I, I tell you what I believe. I believe God is on my side. I want to tell you something. The devil has no power to destroy anything. My God is a good God. He looks after his own. And you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And there's no devil, demon, sickness need to destroy you. The gospel says we're whole people. And we need to take that as truth. We need to realize if that God who brought a corpse to life my, I'll tell you. Let me show you how you get out of the grave. Psalm 40. Look at this. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. It's called your grave. Out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock and established my goings. And it put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and trust in the Lord. I'll tell you what happens. He bought me out. That is the only way to get out of your grave. Now listen to me. Nothing you ever do is going to get you out of your hole. Ever. Nothing you do is going to help. 
That's what's wonderful. He bought me out. I love it. He's the redeemer. And so many people are trying to save themselves. They're trying to do something to get God to move. Well, I'll tell you something. If God doesn't bring you out, you're going to die in your pit. Simple as that. He set my feet on a rock. He established my goings. I'll tell you what he does. He does it all. The only way to life is through Jesus Christ. He's a wonderful Savior. Mighty God. Isaiah 64, verse 6. And we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. He pulled me out of the pit. And if he doesn't do it, you're going to be sunk deeper and deeper into your pit the more you try. And people can't pull you out. My God's a good God. And we never have to earn our salvation. Thank God we don't. The solution, God himself seeks us. Do you know, the first thing you want to know is God is looking for you. You're not looking for him. Because when you meet him face to face, you'll probably get real angry. I had a man write to me recently. He said, you know, first time I put on your television program, it made me so angry. Good. That sounds good. It got to him. You know, I couldn't... It wasn't long before he kept watching. Some people had come to the church. I saw your television program. I came. What did you come for? Well, I wanted to see if you were the same in real life as you are on television. I said, what do you mean? Well, you're so blunt on television, on the program. I thought no one will be that blunt in a church. You know, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll never hunger. Why is it Christians are going to church? Oh, God, we hunger for you. Get saved. Oh, God, we thirst for you. Drink living water. You'll never thirst again. Christ lives in me. I'm alive in him. You know, we can't obtain it. That, that's the trouble. If God doesn't dig you out the miry clay, if God doesn't lift you up, you are a goner. And that's why he sent his son. Colossians 2, verse 10. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Do you know... Jesus Christ and God the Father have done everything. There is nothing left for me to do. Salvation is of God. And the difficulty is to get people to stop doing things to get saved and start believing on the redemption that's in the one and only who can redeem me, Jesus. 
It's not what I do, it's what he has done for me. I was raised with him 2,000 years ago. I was buried with him in baptism 2,000 years ago. The body of sin was put off 2,000 years ago. It's done. And you can't get out the grave. You can't do a thing. He's done it all. Now, the question is, will you cast yourself into the truth, which is you can't do anything, you are totally depraved, there's no good in you, you're a dirty, depraved individual until Christ saves you. And if you don't understand your depravity, you're in religion, not in Christianity. What can I do? Nothing. You can't. Repentance is a gift of God. You can't even repent. You know, the multitude came together. 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost. Let me tell you something. You can repent till the cows come home and go out again. It's called sorrow. Oh, God, I'm sorry I did it. No, you're not. You enjoyed it at the time. You, you know, and you start, the only thing you're sorry about is the consequences. When you get caught, that's the truth. Repentance is a gift of God. What does repentance mean? It means turning around and going the other way. Do you know you can't turn around and go the other way unless Christ indwells you? You can't come to life unless Christ does it. One of the biggest mistakes is to think you can change yourself. Can't. Only God can do that. And that's why we have a savior. His name is Jesus. Look, look what it goes on to say. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Do you know one of the things I find? Guilt. The religious person's always guilty. Oh, God, what did I do wrong? Oh, God, why have my kids turned out this way? Oh, God, this, oh, God, that. Look, the only reason... You're a mess. is because you relied on yourself instead of Christ. You thought you could do something. You're a mess. But I want to tell you, he quickens us together with him. And it's his work, not mine. Having forgiven us all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and was contrary to us and took it out of the way. Now, one of the things, if you're guilty about something in your past, you have never realized salvation. You're living like a religious twit. I keep telling you, and I wish you'd believe it, you don't have a past, you have a future. When you're in Christ, you don't have a past. He divided my sin from me as far as the east is from the west, and he says he'll remember it no more. I don't have a past, I have a future. And, and when you've got guilt, oh, I shouldn't have done it. Oh, you know, I feel so awful. You know, I did this, I did that. Then you never come to salvation because you're relying on yourself. The thing is, I have a new life in Christ. Totally new. It's not what I do, it's what he did for me. I'm quickened together with him. He did it. He's the author and finisher of my faith. 
Religion is, is one of the curses where you demand that everyone is like you. They believe exactly you. No. You know, Christianity is about individuals. And, and there's truth, scriptural truth, biblical truth. But a whole person, he lives his life differently than anyone else. The handwriting of ordinances, verse 14, that was against us, have been taken out of the way, not by me, but by Christ. Everything that went in my past life is gone. Absolutely gone. And that's what's wonderful. There's nothing against me. God has got nothing against me. Everything that was contrary to me before God has been taken away. And it's the same for you. It was nailed to the cross. It's gone. So come out of your grave and your coffin and come out of your stupid guilt. Your guilt is based on your self-centered, egotistical, bombastic, stupid religion. Get out of it. Kick the coffin lid off and say, for goodness sake, nothing against me been taken away. Is that plain? It's been taken out of the way because Jesus Christ nailed it to his cross, said it's over. Is that plain? reason people don't change their lifestyle is because of guilt. They walk around and you can see. There's certain people, when they ring me up, they've always got bad news. But the real reason they feast on bad news is because of guilt for themselves. They're so guilty, they gossip. Uh, you know, transference it's called. See, if you feel bad, you're going to look to what makes other people bad so you don't feel so bad after all. People do that. It just, well, well, everyone does it, don't they? No. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. Um, Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Look at this. Quickly, we'll go through this. You know, it's, you've got to know how to come out the coffin, out the grave. Know you not that so many of us as w were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. And it's talking about baptism in the spirit. It comes and makes it clear in Romans 8. You can't divide it up. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in what? Newness of life. Why do you walk in newness of life? Because of what he did. I was buried with him. I was raised with him. He did it all. Nothing that I do, it's what he did for me. Is that plain? Goes on. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. Now, we have been planted. Not we will be. Not, oh God, when are you going to kill me? Oh God, I come to the cross, crucify me. I want to crucify the old man and self. You have been planted. It's a past thing. 
Don't you understand? All the solutions in Christ. He's the Savior. I was planted to get in the likeness of his death. It's, it's, a, it's a done deal. Christ is the only one who bore sin. And you never will. He bore yours and mine. Amen? All right, done. <laughs> I love it. You know. Whew. Knowing this, that your old man is crucified with him. Your old man. People say to me, oh, I, I, I got my old man and I struggle. That which I would not, that I do. Well, that's because you've never come to salvation. You're not redeemed. Hey, it's a done deal. Look, knowing this, I know it, that my old man's crucified with him. I happened 2,000 years ago, that the body of sin might be destroyed. And it operates today in my life. I know it. I know it every moment of every day that there's a salvation that's so wonderful. Why is it so wonderful? Because he did it all. He knew I couldn't do it, so he did it for me. And that's the way you come out of your grave. You stop trying to do anything, and you begin to believe in the one who did it all. And that's the hardest thing to get people to do. They live in their little tiny cell of self. Old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be what? Dead with Christ. Now, we are dead with Christ. We died in him 2,000 years ago. Want to know how to come out of your coffin and become whole and become healed? Start recognizing what God has done for you. He's done it. You don't need to free yourself. You don't need to break off the chains. You don't need to do anything. He has done it all. And if only you get hold of that, it's so easy being a Christian. The reason people are bound is because they don't realize they're free. Uh, let's read it in the um, Living Translation. I want to read Romans 6, 3 to 11. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined with him in de his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. You know, I'm alive to God. The power of sin doesn't have any power. No power at all. Hey, I come out of the grave, 
because Christ, I believe what he did. Do you know the only secret of life is to believe what God has done for you. While you pray for God to deliver you, you'll never get delivered. When you believe what Christ has done for you, that you are delivered, then faith comes into your heart and you walk in freedom. So many people are struggling to get somewhere where they already are. Last night I went up to London and when I was in London, I did not try to get to London because I was there. Now, it would have been ridiculous for me to jump into the car and say to my wife, get us to London. You're in London. You're already there. And I find so many Christians, they're trying to get themselves somewhere that they already are, but they haven't yet acknowledged what Christ has done for them. And because they don't acknowledge it, they don't live in faith. They live in unbelief, and they live in guilt, and they live in fear because they haven't realized God's already done it. It's a done deal. I cannot get myself into freedom. Christ has purchased my freedom for me. That's a wonderful truth of the gospel. The good news is, hey, it's already a done deal. The good news is he did it for me. The good news is I can't do it. The good news is I don't want to do it. The good news is I'm dead. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. He did it. Nothing I did. No prayer is going to get me there. No amount of deliverance is going to get me there. No amount of anointings is going to get me there. No amount of, hey, the just shall live by, what? What? And faith comes by hearing the word. I hear what's true. I believe it. It's true. It's not, I struggle. I fight. I try to take hold of it. No. It's real. God did it. He said it. It's done. Glory to God. You know, Ephesians 1, 16, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. You need to know it. And you know it by believing God and the reality of it in your life by faith. I know whom I have believed. What is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. In the New Living Translation, it, it, in verse 19 it says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. That power works in us today. What a power we have. You know, the only reason Christians are powerless, ignorant, and no miracles is because they've never understood what God has done for them. My. The same power that brought Jesus out the tomb works in me. The same power 
that brought him from the dead works in me. He has divided my sin as far as the east is from the west. I died in him. I'm free from the power of sin. I'm free from the bondage. I have a whole mind. I can think with all my being. Why? Because I have the life of Christ. And Christ came to make me whole. Body, soul, and spirit. And I'll tell you what, I can be creative. Don't say, well, I haven't got an artistic temperament. Well, I'm not logical. Well, I'll tell you what, look at Christ. You have the mind of Christ, the mind of the creator. The one thing I love about that story of the Father, if you haven't watched the DVD, watch it ten times if you need healing. That'll be a solution. God the Father in all eternity made the plan of redemption. Before the world was. And that's the glory of it. And not only did he plan in eternity for your salvation and mine. When it came, the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. And everything was put into operation. And he orders all things after the counsel of his own will. And God had a plan for your life and my life. There came a day when the gospel came. And the sound of it I believed when I wanted to prove he didn't exist. And I want to tell you, I did not seek God. He sought me. And if so be, God is moving in your life. It's he who's seeking you, not you who's seeking him. And what he wants you to know is the good news of the gospel. He wants to redeem your body, soul, and spirit. Heal your body. He wants to break every chain. And it's not something you do, oh, I've got to do something. No, it's a gift. It's a free gift. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift. Everything you need in life, God has provided all things that pertain to life and godliness, it's free, it's a gift. And that's what's wonderful about the gospel. Our God is a good God. Isn't he? Oh, this. Oh, oh, Bishop, will you pray for me for deliverance? No, you are delivered. You were 2,000 years ago. Would you believe the truth? not an emotional experience it's not some burning up your spine it's not some earwig in your left ear it's deliverance some people oh i've got this problem or that problem the only reason you've got the problem is because you don't believe god what he did for you that's simple isn't it that's the gospel glory to god you know i get so excited I kind of, I, 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 I get excited. Because for me, I'm just glad God's done it all. What a relief. What a relief. You know, when a mother has a baby, and you can imagine, the baby did not come out and say, Boy, I really thought, fought to get out of that womb. Man. Uh, the baby was birthed by the mother. I mean, the mother had to know all the things to do. The baby did nothing. Hey, 
We've got this idea, what do we do? Today, if you want to come out of your grave, I'll tell you how. All you do is believe what God has done for you and thank him for it. I thank God that he saved me. I thank God for 2,000 years ago, my sin was nailed to the cross. I thank God he saved me. I thank God he healed me. I thank God he made me whole. I thank God he's everything to me. And you know, he's done it for you too. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to feel anything. You just have to know that it's true. And knowing it's true is everything. And it's in the book. And I believe it. And I came to Christ. And he did it all for me. And I'll tell you, miracles happen. Because I believe in miracles. And I preach it. I believe every single one of you can be healed. I believe every single one of you can be free. I believe every single one of you can know redemption. And I don't see any reason why you can't come into everything. And it's the way it is. I think it's great. And you don't have to understand all the mechanics. You just have to know what God did. And that's it.